Well, hello there. Welcome to the Flesh and Gold podcast. For those of you who are returning guests, you might be wondering where I've been for the last almost year. I explain everything on the latest blog at fleshandgold.com titled Own Your Space. What I can tell you now is this. I have some incredible interviews coming up, and I'm super excited to see this grow. Missy Brown is our guest today, and I just want to let you know that you're in for a treat. Few women I know have gone through all of the experiences she has, namely in the last 11 years. She is my dear friend. She is one of those people that cause you to pray this after you speak with her. Search me, O God, and know my heart, from Psalm 139. She does that not in a way that makes you feel bad about yourself, but quite the opposite. She carries with her a gift of wisdom and grace, patience, endurance, and love. She is a treasure, and she has no idea how much the world needs Missy Brown's. Nothing could make me happier than to hear how her interview or these interviews are impacting you in your life. You can reach out to me or Missy in multiple ways. One, you can subscribe to Flesh and Gold at fleshandgold.com. That way you can receive updates every time a new interview or blog is released. You can email me at fleshandgold at gmail.com. Or you can now find me on Facebook. There's a Flesh and Gold Facebook page. As always, thank you for your time. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for taking time today to talk to us. Absolutely. It's my privilege. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you live, where you grew up? Okay. Well, uh, I live in Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta currently, but I grew up in the great state of Colorado um, my whole life until college where I went to Florida State and met my husband there. And then we uh, lived there for a few years and then moved up here to the Atlanta area. So we have four awesome kids. The, um, you know, privilege of being in their lives is most of what I do. And then we also do ministry, athletic ministry. Um, My husband is a character coach and chaplain, and we've always just had a passion for athletes. So that's um, the other thing predominantly that, I spend my time doing is just loving, investing, and encouraging young women that have come from similar places that I've experienced in my own life. Tell me what school, too, you, he teaches at again? Uh, Kennesaw State. Okay, very good. Right, Kennesaw State. Well, um, for my listeners, I wanted you to know that I could easily do three to four interviews with Missy, <laughs> and I actually do plan on doing those. <laughs> But for starters, um, I'll tell you a little bit about what those could be, where she's coming from the last few years. Back in 2006, um, Missy, you almost lost your life during childbirth with your youngest daughter, Destiny. She was born 10 weeks premature at 29 weeks, and um, you said she stopped growing at 26 weeks gestation in the womb, right? Correct. Okay, so she was born weighing two pounds, and you were in the hospital with her for two months. And at some point, she had suffered a significant brain bleed. So Destiny has experienced many developmental delays and challenges, but now she's, I mean, you'd say she's thriving and healthy even in those challenges, would you? Yes, I would say she's definitely, I mean, every day, every year has been a battle for her life, but I would say she has exceeded 
what they thought uh, was possible for her. Yeah, that's good. So we actually, Missy and I go back to college, but when we actually sort of reconnected in 2014, and when you first started talking to me a little bit about Destiny, I felt for the first time like somebody was giving me the language that I was experiencing with my daughter, Whitney, who is special needs. She's six. And so that was just another really powerful um, part of your life blessing mine was that you've been such an encouragement. I feel like you you get it, and you're also ahead of me on the path. So thank you for that. And then really the reason why we reconnected in two, 2014 was um, you supported, um, served, and walked with and loved our mutual friend Dana, Dana Koya. She had cancer, and she was a mom of four, and she ended up passing away in the fall of 2014. Dana was one of um, both of our best friends from college, and you guys were both ACC championship Florida State University softball players. So you guys had a very close friendship for 20 years. And I just always want to, I tell you this all the time, but really the leadership and the sacrifice that you walk through during that time has majorly impacted my life. And um, I just would love for you at another time to come on and talk about that a little bit more. I'd love to. I'd love to. So would you mind telling us a little bit about how that first began and what your diagnosis and prognosis is? Absolutely. So basically, um, back around the time that I was spending time in Louisiana with Dana, my back just started hurting, and, you know, I just thought it was a result of just traveling and sitting on, like, the hard chair at ICU, but it, you know, persisted, and after several months, we, um, you know, just started going to the chiropractor, the naturopath, I mean, just kind of doing all the things that I could think to do, and some physical therapy, but eventually, I just kept getting discharged, and I ended up at Emory, which is one of our top um, hospitals here at their spine center, and basically did, you know, kind of five months of testing that led to a prognosis of I just had three discs that had ruptured and um, were not eligible for surgery because basically they can fuse one disc at best. Sometimes they'll do but two, but they rarely um, – ever do three, they don't ever recommend it for three because when we've done it in the past, it's been so debilitating because it's too wide of an area. And so, uh, you know, initially I didn't want surgery. I just wanted to get better, you know, believing at any moment, you know, to this day that I could heal it in a moment. And then there reached a point where I was just praying for surgery so I could just get past it. And then eventually just got that diagnosis that pretty much, um, there was three, I mean, I had degeneration and, and several yeah, yeah. up and down, but those particular three had ruptured. And so the disc fluid was coming out and the inflammation and just the different things that were going on basically just had to run their course that it could take several years. I mean, it goes really slowly, but your body naturally fuses, you know, the discs will naturally fuse. Uh, you know, years down the road and that the pain would eventually go away. So it went from a short-term pain to try and processing a long-term injury. Yes. And so, you know, people throw around the term back pain all the time, but um, I want you to explain what your pain really is like on a scale from 9 to 10 and kind of in that what normal activities for you and 
just normal things had to be adjusted because of that pain? Um, yeah, you know, I want to say I have a high pain tolerance, but it has been really hard. I mean, I've done natural childbirth. No, you do. Um, you have a high pain tolerance. You just throw softballs at up. you guys for, like, you know, practice. It's crazy. <laughs> I would tell Dana I would cry if, if I was during your practices. That's so mean. Oh, gosh. I know I thought I was tough, but this You are tough, but yes. Very, very painful. Um you know, definitely like nine, ten range at times. Oh, Mainly, I mean, it just I've I've tried to explain it. It's kind of hard, but it it feels similar to like severe back labor for the women who've ever experienced the joy of that. Um, it's just kind of constant. And the more I would do, the worse it would get. So basically, right now, the only things that I have to do apart from prayer, you know, is Lifestyle management, you know, they've just given me things that really can help it. You know, my particular disc for my lower back. So not sitting for over 30 minutes, just I really can't do as much. If I do more, it just gets a lot worse. So it's just kind of lifestyle management, having to do only the things that I need to do. You know, you can't bend, twist, lift, all, you know, just little things. But um, so pretty much just lifestyle management and and then pain management are really the only things available, you know, from the doctor's perspective. And so I'm under the care of Emory and go there very often to just try and take care of the stuff and the practical as best and be as comfortable through this process um, until it passes. Yeah, so when you say you can't sit for 30 minutes, does that mean you have to go lay down or just switch positions and then – also, is something like laundry almost a near impossible task with, I mean, I feel like with four kids, I can't keep up with it, but I don't even know how, you, how you'd be able to do laundry. Yes, this definitely has helped escalate our kids getting involved <laughs> um, a lot more, which is probably a good thing because, yeah, lifting and things, I, I just kind of have to take things day by day a lot and what I can do. I definitely can't lift. Um, so creative ways, I mean, I'll just have, I still do stuff, but I'll just have to, you know, say, for instance, have them, you know, the kids all do their own laundry, and I will help with our youngest son, but Sterling and I, like, he'll just put stuff on the bed. I mean, he helps a ton, but, yeah, you know, he'll just step on the bed up where I don't have to bend down. I can fold, you know, just little things like that that aren't huge deals, but I've just really kind of had to learn how to adjust. Um, I just can't do as much. You know, I don't sit in the stands for hours on end at our kids' games. I'll have to stand or not go at all. You know, I just have to kind of ebb and flow according to how my body is really doing. Sometimes I push it and do too much, and then I really can't do anything for a few days. But yeah. honestly, there are just some days I have to do that. So it's just a little bit learning how to pay attention to my body more and how to just really prioritize what things are worth it being more painful for. Yeah, that's good. So um, you talked about this a little bit, but how has, I mean, it's been two years almost, a little bit over, I guess, two years. So how has this, like, impacted um, your family? Oh, gosh, I think that's been the hardest part. Um, They have been awesome, but for me personally, it's the part that, I hate that it affects them. You know, I just always envisioned, I mean, I think growing up especially athletic and very active, you know, there was just naturally this, you know, 
I just pictured myself like, man, my kids are teenagers. We're going to be out playing, throwing the football and, you know, just having this really super active lifestyle. And, you know, obviously I'm still active. I do as much physically as I can. I mean, I, I still yeah. able to do certain workouts and things, but it has been a huge adjustment, you know, for Sterling and for the kids. And they have been amazing. They're so helpful. They're so understanding. Um, but it definitely affects the whole family. And so I think it's just one of those things that you have to believe not only, you know, for me, but someone who believes in God, I have to just press in to believe, okay, God's grace is not only going to be sufficient enough for me to walk through yeah, that's but good. it's going to be sufficient enough for our whole family to deal with this and not just deal with it, but grow from it somehow. So that's my hope. That's my prayer. It definitely has altered the way things look a lot, but I feel like all in all, it's been better than I would have imagined it could have been if you would have told me ahead of time what would be happening in the years it would be happening when our kids are so young and active and involved in their own activities. So, you know, I'm amazed when I just tackle things. I think I shared with you at one point the football team's motto was win the day. You know, they want to obviously have a successful season, but realizing that boils down to every day, what does it take to win? And yeah, that's been one of the main things I've really just had to apply in my life. What does today look like? How can I win today? Not only like logistically, but emotionally, you know, physically, spiritually, practically with logistics, just trying to take it a day at a time. Because for me, as someone who has been an athlete my whole life, I, yeah. you know, my strength was something I didn't realize how much it had been easy to depend on. You know, just kind yeah. of always, if I wanted to do something, I could do it. I could always do a lot. I had a high capacity to kind of manage and be on the go. And and it's just so altered, you know, what I have been able to do physically that um, I had to just apply that. How do I win today? How do I make it through this week and take things in shorter increments because as an athlete I would say this like give me a sprint workout any day over a distance run yeah me short I'd rather it be harder and shorter than longer and slower and so when I heard the diagnosis I realized this is a this is a distance run um and I have to just apply those principles and try and uh, you know adjust my life and my perspective and our priorities around this as best as possible with just applying the wisdom and the ability to decide daily what we can tackle individually as a family yeah. and even the things that we're involved in, in little pieces and to get through this longer season. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm imagining, too, that if you're in debil- debilitating pain like this, and like you said, you're just trying to win the day and um, focus on even just normal lifestyle tasks. Have you experienced isolation, and what does this look like, like with your friendships? How has that part of your life been affected? You know, you referenced Dana and watching her. I think um, it was such a learning time for me, and I didn't fully grasp that until after. But I've just never gotten to have such an up-close seat to somebody so wanting healing, so wanting life to look differently, their body to be, you know, performing differently, and yet having to kind of have the tension of faith for healing, but dealing with suffering and, 
the disappointments that go on with that. And obviously her battle was just a huge learning point to me to see her press in and trust God so much at the hardest, you know, time of her life, which I think for me going into this has really helped me, honestly, of my bad days. I think I'm alive. I'm here with my children, which is something, you know, honestly, she's not getting to do. And so for me, it's not a comparing thing more than it's a perspective thing to go, this is hard. This is really hard, but I have to put this in perspective. It's temporary. It will pass. If it never passes in my life, it still will pass. And really learning to use gratitude as a weapon for the days I've definitely had my days. I think not only can I feel lonely and isolated and just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can take this anymore, not only physically, but emotionally, it's just been, it's pushed me so beyond, you know, where I thought it could go. And because there's no reprieve, you know, sometimes it just feels like claustrophobic. Like I just want a few days for, yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. you know, it just, I, I need, and it's just constant um, that it has definitely led to really dark days and hard times. And I have to balance the honesty of, you know, this, this is really hard. I'm having a bad day or I'm having a bad week, but keeping that in perspective. And I've just really, been able to draw from not only again my experience with Dana, but um, just realizing the the power of gratitude. Um, I read something once that you know Colossians four two in the Message translation says, "Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude," and realizing mm-hmm. that gratitude wins our wars. And um, there's an Ann Voskamp quote that says. The real gift of gratitude is that the more grateful you become, the more you realize God is present. And just realizing, you know, it's a declaration, and gratitude is a declaration. God is good no matter what happens. Like, I believe God can heal. I wanted God to heal. Dana, you know, I've been in plenty of situations in my life where I have seen God heal. There is just a mystery to me in healing that, you know, we had to process a lot with her of the extremes of people's even – theology on healing and everyone's, I mean, well-intended advice, but, it, you know, sometimes it can be hard when something doesn't change. Yeah. And yeah. you're asking for it to change, you know? And so you do the things and you're trying to evaluate, is it something I'm doing, something I need to change? And, you know, I realize is it's our place to pray and ask and believe and, and know it's available and, and God desires to do something, but sometimes that looks differently than we think. And so it's a matter of how do we think and feel in the meantime between our promise coming to pass. And sometimes that's just the assurance that God is with us and that he's good while we're waiting. And so learning how to battle with gratitude, for me, that's been a key to win the bigger war, even if I have, you know, dark days and lonely times and, you know, I might lose a battle here or there in any of those areas. Overall, I realized that I've had to learn how much gratitude and keeping things in perspective. And for me, when I go to to the doctors and see, gosh, you know what, this person can't even walk, you know, and this is certainly not the worst thing that can happen in life. So there's a, a, you know, spectrum. I have to not just be in denial and not ever acknowledge, 
yeah, this is really hard. Yeah, but yeah. If I just stay there, it's not my identity. It's not, you know, I'm not going to take it on as my identity. This is just something I'm walking through, but it's not who I am. It's not how it will always be, and I don't have to get under this thing. I can overcome even in the midst of it. So to be able to have the perspective and to let the word work and to be able to keep my mind at peace in a place of having the assurance that, you know what, God is good through this. Even on the days it's really, really hard, there's so much more that I have to be thankful for than that I want to get in a place of self-pity or complaining. But I also have to process the days that it's hard too. So I feel like it's being honest and not, you know, faking it. You know, I'm not trying to fake it till I make it kind of a thing. I yeah, don't have yeah. to deal with this was really, really hard. You know, and like you said, even dealing with special needs, I've experienced God's past faithfulness that's helped me to hold on times like this when you deal with trials, when it doesn't look how you think it would look and it doesn't seem to be changing and the way you want it to change, to realize there there is still a steadiness, a rock that we can fall on even when things are up and down and all around that we can experience rest in the yeah. midst of the storm. So that's really been a focus for me, trying overall to win the war for that in the midst of the daily and weekly battles. Well, and what I love is that you're you're so honest with, with Dana, with your um, situation of realizing that as as you know, a, a human, your body, mind, soul, and spirit, and how when your body's been in such physical pain, I love that you talk about that, how, well, that that's going to affect those other areas of your life, and I love that, the tension that you always draw between, like, holding the promise of healing, supernatural healing in one hand, and then with the others, looking for the grace and looking for the presence of the Lord in those bad days. So Amen. I just I love that Amen. about you. Um, Thank so, you. So, you're welcome. So you know how <laughs> you you said a couple times that you were um, an athlete, and so obviously the goal mm-hmm. of an athlete is to, you know, uh, carry the team, win the game, and there's a certain yeah. amount of feeling purpose because it's clear your objectives are clear, um, where mm-hmm. your position is clear. So you mentioned to me a few times how the last few years and. I have to I have to say I guess even from watching and knowing I'd have to say maybe even more than the last few years because when you you literally almost lost your life you had all that with destiny yeah. you walked Dana through and that was not just a few month process that was mm-hmm. that was like literally I don't know literally probably I would say a year and a half to 2 years of just you walking yeah. through that and then kind of you know I'm sure both of us now are still walking through a little bit of the aftermath of it and For um sure. So just that feeling of you've really taken, you really feel like you're on the sidelines a lot of times. And I know that that's got to feel sometimes like what what is your purpose and, you know, what am I doing? And so I love how when we were preparing for this, you were talking about how you really have begun to experience just God-given purpose on the sidelines, in the sidelines, and mm-hmm. also um, a piece there. And what I love is that, you don't anymore consider like the promise necessarily of getting back in the game, like the promise of the healing, even though you know that would be amazing and that would be something to definitely thank the Lord for. But it's like, I love how you're not waiting until X, Y, Z happens a certain way 
that you're really experiencing yeah. God on the sidelines. And so I would just love for you to talk about that a little bit because I'm, I'm sure there's women out there who are going through a period of isolation or broken dreams mm-hmm. or or this marriage didn't go how I thought, these kids didn't go. Yeah. And how can you comfort them that when you're on the sidelines, that doesn't mean that the Lord's not with you? Yeah, that's so true. Well, it is. And I, and I think for me, probably – it it was just unusual, you know, just athletics had been my world. So yeah, yeah. I just been fortunate I hadn't dealt with injury. I mean, considering I played sports year round, three different sports, you know, from five through, you know, my early twenties, so much of my life, you know, I was at risk for things, but they just didn't happen. So when you use the analogy even with a game, I was just used to being one of those people like yeah, you wanted to get in the game, you you can make a difference. You know, you're on the field, you're on the court, you're able to contribute in a certain way to the outcome. And yet, at the same time, I know with teams, anyone who's participated in sports can understand this, that the culture on the bench and the attitude of the people who aren't playing almost affects the team as much as the people who are on the field. To the so degree that they're encouraged – that they're spurring one another on and encouraging their teammates, you know, that the more that they're with the team, even though they're not on the field or on the court or whatever the particular situation, it they affect the culture in a huge way. So okay. I knew that principle. I just personally, again, I can't think back. I mean, a few times, like with a concussion, I may have sat out a game or, or so, but I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of games to maybe three or four that I sat out. So playing that role was completely foreign to me. And so I realized that even, you know, beyond when I had stopped playing, that there was a place of contributing. I was used to even in ministry, you know, just being involved. I mean, I never had a problem when I'm pregnant. You know, I just could do a lot, you know. With the young babies, go places, do things, like, it didn't phase me because I just was able to, you know, kind of have that capacity. So, yeah, yeah. for me, it was a huge shift, not only physically and emotionally, but just to even realize, like you said, where where am I, so to speak, on in this game of life, you know, on this field, in this particular season, you know, when I've never experienced kind of being on the bench for a long time, I had to really just wrestle with where that was hard. You know, I think there's a real place of mourning trials. Like you said, yeah. still mm-hmm. to this day, I have days I cry over Dana or cry over special needs dynamics or cry physically. But so there's a place of this is hard. You know, I would obviously rather be on the field and be contributing and feel like I have more control of the outcome. But the reality is so much of life is you know, trials and suffering. And I think sometimes even in American Christianity, we don't get this thoroughly taught. You know, it's a little bit, you know, I know for me when I came to the Lord, it was like things all got better. You know, they didn't get worse. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, you know, God equates to good. You know, when you're, God is good, but life isn't always good. Your circumstances aren't always good. And learning to separate those, that sometimes you do go through really, really hard times. Sometimes there is just incredible trials or trauma that can be going on. And 
to see there's still value in the seasons. There's still value in you as a person that you're, again, I think it's key to know your identity. And for me, as a Christian, knowing what does that mean to be in Christ? How can I be weak and strong? And I just had to realize that ultimately, you know, my own strength was a hindrance in some ways because I probably could lean on my strength Yeah. versus tapping into when we're weak, he's strong. And so learning to lean upon his strength through hard times and learning to come to that place of surrender, of believing that not only could he be strong, you know, somewhere out there as God, but in me to go, okay, here's where we are. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. What do you want me to do? And just to realize for me, I've learned to pray a lot more. I've learned to encourage, you know, I find practical things. I'm like, we live in a day and age, there's phones. So I can write letters. I can send texts. I definitely, prayer has been a huge thing for me. I can read. I can, you know, find other ways that even though I'm not contributing in this particular role, I'm not off the team. You know, I don't have to feel like I'm rejected or, you know, I'm just as much a part of this bigger picture of what's going on. I just have a different role to play. So encouraging others and praying for others has been probably some of the main ways that I've just shifted my focus and my energies to that's something I can do, you know, and I can't constantly stay there, but I can do that probably more than I was previously when I was at every meeting or doing, you know, in the mix, so to speak, so much. I've really had to lean in and learn how to trust in God in a greater way. And I've seen him provide. I've seen him do far beyond out of his strength than anything I experienced in my own. Yeah, that's so good. I love how um, even with some of my walk with Whitney, just realizing how you can be at that raw place of mourning and crying it out and almost feeling like, okay, all of these dreams are dying or are dead or whatever your hopes, right? But then God has a mysterious way of filling us back up with hope. And it's just been, I mean, it's in scripture, but when you experience it, it's just amazing because I feel like in some ways it's just as supernatural as, um, you know, a, a healing, a whole healing. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so I love how you focused on practically if somebody's experiencing chronic pain or, you know, some kind of long endurance, a challenge that requires endurance. Just I love yeah. that really what, you, what you've modeled to me and, you know, it's what I wanted to share about you is that you've, you've modeled being honest, being real with people, being honest with God, like really feeling the pain and, and the loss, but then yeah. also – growing in the muscle of gratitude and then mm-hmm. prayer, you know, obviously I think that's a huge mm-hmm. one. And and I love that, that you figure out who can I encourage today? You, you, you're still active in community, even if it looks different. Um, yeah. So if, if someone out there is experiencing a situation like this, what are, what's a scripture or some scriptures that you can give them today that really helps you like frame? Mm, that's good. Um, well, there's one, Hosea 2.15, one of the things I've written down, I've kept in my phone, and I just pull up, it says, you know, it's talking about God is the only one who can make the valley of trouble a door of hope. Understanding, like, God is our, our hope, ultimately. I mean, we go through troubles. 
Um, Psalm 56, 13, you've delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before the God in the light of life. You know, just realizing yeah. God is so much bigger out there. You know, we we see this trial and it's so, you know, hard. But again, if you put your hand right in front of your eyes, it's all you see is your hand. You pull it all the way back. You see everything around it. Your hand is still there, but there's so much more going on. Oh, that's so good. Me, I realized, gosh, you know, I have to pull back my hand and see everything around it and understand at the end of the day, I still don't even see everything going on. I don't know the purpose is fully behind this. I can't even fully, you know, it says that we can't even fully grasp God. His ways are are beyond what we can even wrap our heads around. So there's just a piece of being okay with, you know, that whole piece in the puzzle concept of going, I don't get this. I'm really confused by a lot of this. There's a much bigger picture going on, and it's blurry, and it seems jagged, and it, I have a limited perspective. But knowing, you know, God has the box. He has the picture, not only for this lifetime, but for eternity. There's much yeah. more things to play. And so being able to have the confidence that, you know, God is out there. He was before us. He's after us. You know, that God is within us. You know, it says we will not fail, Psalm 46.5. You know, God is within us and she will not fail. You know, to just have that confidence in God and not of ourselves. That we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. Life's going to be messy. People are going to fail us. You know, there's no perfection here outside of God. But what won't fail isn't just us. It's that place of God's goodness, knowing that we can give thanks to the Lord for he's good and his love is going to endure forever. And that's even beyond our life. You know, it's, it's managing, you know, the tension between temporal and eternal. You know, this is a short thing. It will pass. But yeah, there is access for today where that is really hard. As temporal as it is, you know, it's hard. And yet at the same time, it's much bigger than just today. And so I think that Hosea scripture of holding on to understanding there's there's hope even in the valley of our trouble that God is with us and good through every bit of valley. And there's a bigger picture that this will pass and the purposes of God will prevail. God will work good things, you know, the assurance that he will work good out of those who love him and are called according to his purposes to just have that confidence that this might not feel good, this might be really, really hard, I might not have an answer. I am at that place regularly. God, I, I don't have it in me. I don't have enough in and of myself. Yeah. I feel like I can handle this. And yet, with you, all things are possible and that you can help us not only navigate the daily, but that this isn't the end of the story. It's not the end. It's a chapter in a much bigger story that we can trust the author that's so good and i love that you even said romans eight twenty eight. i'm going to read that today um one of my friends for my birthday gave me a journal that it has it's called write the word I'm plugging mm. that but anyway <laughs> every day you have to write a portion of scripture and then it's a place to just like meditate i love that because otherwise sometimes i would plow through a lot yeah. and not stop for and think sure. um so Romans 8.28 was actually today's, a portion of today's scripture. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
So I think that was a very timely scripture because I feel like that's really what your life reflects. So I just want to thank you so much, Missy, for taking time today um, to really think about these questions and really just being so vulnerable and honest and, of course, encouraging because that's who you are. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I know how challenging it can be, and I just can't imagine where I would be, not only with God, obviously I've shared about that, but people are just a key, you know, and I realize how much, even though my circle has had to get smaller, they've gone deeper, and I just uh, appreciate and respect all that you're doing to encourage others, Jen, and anything that I can do um, for you or for any listener, I would be more than happy to do that, because I think women encouraging women are just one of the most critical things in this day and age to be positive places that can be safe and encouraging and help us to just spur one another on, you know, to not be alone in the battle. So whatever I can do to help them here. Oh, thanks. You're the best, Missy. Thank you. So if you guys want to contact Missy, I will leave her webpage. She has a blog in the show notes. And, of course, you can also always email me at fleshandgold at gmail.com, and that'll, I could forward anything on to her. Thank you for listening to Missy's interview. I appreciate your time.